Good morning, Soundhouse. I, I told Taylor and Ryan that if we had 12 or less, I'm buying breakfast burritos for everyone. So we, yeah, unless a couple people want to leave. We almost, almost made it. Um, well, uh, yeah, we wanted to start just with, once again, just kind of our, our creative um, take on worship during this time, um, and, and then we're going to jump into the message. But real quick, one quick announcement. Um, starting next week, we're going to be moving service to 10 a.m. Um, just figure for the colder months, kind of push back a little bit later to get more of this wonderful sun that we're all experiencing right now. Um, but today's uh, worship is a poem, um, and it's a, a, a New Year's poem but also fits this message well today. And I thought it was just um, good to reflect on it in, in light of New Year's. It says, I tried to think of a clever new phrase, a slogan to inspire the next 365 days, a motto to live by this coming new year, but the catchy words fell flat on my ear. And then I heard his still small voice saying, consider the simple daily choice. With each new dawn and close of day, make new your resolve to trust and obey. Don't look back, caught in regret, or dwell on the sorrow of dreams unmet. Don't stare forward, anchored by fear. No, live in this moment, for I am here. I am all you need, everything I am. You are held secure by my strong hand. Give me this one thing, your all in all. Into my grace, let yourself fall. So at last I'm ready to see the way. It's a daily follow, trust, and obey. I enter the new year armed with a plan to give him my everything and all that I am. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we um, reflect on the closing of 2020 and as we walk into this new year, uh, Lord, I pray that those words um, rest on us, uh, Lord, that we are centered on your simple still small voice in our hearts, Lord, that we just, we follow your lead, um, that we look to the example of your son in the gospels as an example for how we are to live and to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. The faithful, Chad, take note. Let's just make sure we can publish who the most faithful Christians are at Soundhouse. Uh, could you guys just take a second, if you haven't said hi, just wave around and greet each other. And... <laughs> oh, man. Um, just, uh, you know, if you weren't at our Christmas Eve service, uh, I, I would just recommend going online and just uh, watching that. I think it just being able to like kind of put our mindset even around like Christmas and what we celebrate, why we celebrate. And it was a, it was a really great moment. Um, <laughs> not used to the outdoor elements if you were there. At one moment, I thought the, uh, the thing, the easy up was going to blow away, right? And, uh, and then when I, <laughs> when I was praying, uh, I was praying a little longer, just so you know, because I was hoping by the time I finished, I would look up and there'd be all these candles lit and everywhere, and I would see this beautiful sight. Um, and then I looked up and I had the only candle lit because it was like 
20 mile an hour wind, but it was still great. You know, it's one of those I'm just going to look back on and just remember and just love just being able to be a part of it. I'm so glad we were able to meet. And so, um, you know, this year coming up into 2021 for us as a church uh, is, is exciting. We have some things that could could change potentially for us as a church in a very positive way. And so we're just praying through some things and um, and praying that God kind of opens some doors for us, which would be awesome. And I know that's very vague, but just know that it's very good. Um, and then just, uh, you know, what does 2021 look like for us as a church community? And, um, and then also not even just putting 2020 behind us, which we'll talk a lot, a little bit about today, but really ultimately about what, what is God going to do in this next season for us? And so what has he maybe done in this season, you know, in 2020? I know a lot of people, it, 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 it kind of like when you'll notice this in your own life, from your own life experience, when, when you feel pressure or you feel so much change, you can, you can feel, you can kind of get to more what's the core of, of you. And so some people it was, you know, wow, I'm not really trusting God so much. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by fear. Or for some other people, it was more of like discouragement, which I went through in seasons of that, of like, man, I'm really discouraged because so much changed. And then just to sure up, you know, like my resilience and my trust and faith that God is going to do what he will always do. And so I want to talk about maybe just with that mindset, what does 2021 look like? And this isn't a New Year's sermon, but this will, I felt like if there's one way to approach this new year was to kind of go very back to the basics, back to the very fundamental and the foundation of our faith, and maybe just sure that up a little bit in us as a church. Uh, let me pray, and then we'll get started. God, we thank you so much for today. God, be with me as I share your word. God, I just ask that you do what you do uh, in the hearts of the hearers of the word. And God, I just thank you that um, your word is eternal. It establishes um, our, our ultimately our faith, God. And I just ask that today when we read these passages, these words from Jesus, that we are encouraged, that we are inspired, and God, that we are um, in, in a way more confident in this next coming year and in our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, do you guys remember the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, right? One of my favorite movies because it's action adventure mixed with a little bit of like history-ish. And I remember watching this movie and uh, it's funny because I went back and started like looking at this particular clip and, uh, and how this one scene just became kind of a, 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 a scene or a phrase of that era. And it was when... They're after this Holy Grail, and they're after the legend of the Holy Grail. They finally get to where it is located, and there's, of course, with Indiana Jones, a test of, of uh, what is the actual artifact. And so they have actually a knight of the temple, a Templar knight, and who had lived because uh, he had drank of the Holy Grail water, and what was interesting is there was a, you know, one of the bad characters was going to choose. And when, when it, it's a really quite profound thing uh, that we're watching happening in the scene because it actually very much translates into 
what Christ challenges us and how we view heavenly things or things of the kingdom um, or things of the world. And so the you know, evil character chooses what he would think is what a king of kings would drink from. And it's this beautiful, adorned, uh, very much what we would deem as valuable or what would be as holy. A, and it's clearly the wrong drink. And he says, you've not chosen wisely. But when Indiana Jones drinks, he thinks of like, this is what Jesus would drink from. This is of the era. And he maybe sees it with different eyes, not so much what his perception of what Christ would have drank from, but really what would have been reality. And then he says this phrase, well, you've chosen wisely. And, and I, I say that because I think ultimately Jesus tells his followers that they're going to have to make a choice. And that you have a choice, but you'll have to make a choice. And I think ultimately it's this statement he makes that poses some questions we're going to get into. And it's the statement is almost posing the, 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 the I, I would say, putting in front of you a, a choice to make. Will you ultimately give up, right, what we would hold most valuable in this world, would you give up like uh, all the earthly, fleshly things that fulfill us in a way, or we feel would, or um, are you going to hang on? And I I say those two phrases because they're in the statement Jesus makes. Will you hang on? Will you grab it and just try to hang on for all of that's worth maybe even not knowing or realizing fully that it, it leads to ultimately something that will fade away. And that's a constant theme for us as believers is will you give up these things that everyone says is so valuable and this is how you should view the world, right? Or will you hang on to it? And that's what we'll put our trust in um, ultimately to something that is not secure and solid. So my title of my message is uh, what will you choose? I think going into 2021, this is a really good question. I, I believe, because I think, I know all of you personally, I know you've chosen Christ, but I think even in our regular daily life, you'll be posed with this question. You'll be confronted with it regularly of what are you going to choose or ultimately are you going to hang on or are you going to give up, right? Give up almost in a sense of offering that to God as a, form of worship. God, I don't need to put my trust in that. I don't need to hang on to this, right? So our main passage, if you have your Bibles or even in your notes, Matthew 16, my notes are on the app as well. You can look that up and, and, and read right along with me. But Jesus, Jesus does something, and, and I felt like this is definitely the passage to start, you know, the, the mindset for this year. It's, it's he's telling his disciples his plan. And you know, sometimes the truth is hard to hear. Sometimes reality is hard to accept. And Jesus is telling his disciples what's going to happen. And this is probably the most blatant, direct, this is, this is what is going to happen. I'm going to tell you what to expect. And he's ultimately telling them he's going to be taken. He's telling them he's going to be tried. He's telling them I'm going to be tortured. And ultimately, I'm going to be killed. Now, these, these guys have been with him for a long time. 
They've been in every step. They've been learning and growing. And they, their mindset of the kingdom, when he preaches it, they see something very different. And this passage tells Jesus that I don't think we're on the same page here because what I just told you should excite you, not put you into fear. Their worldview is different than what Jesus is ultimately preaching. And they're having a hard time grabbing it. Peter is listening to what Jesus says. But then ultimately, Peter confronts Jesus, pulls him aside, and the Bible says rebukes Jesus. Now, this is a big deal for a follower to do this to a rabbi. This is like what you don't do. And he says, no, 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 Jesus, no, 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 no. Yeah, hush, 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 hush. <laughs> Everything that you're saying, like, like, don't worry in our mind, in our strength, we're going to protect you. We're not going to let that happen to you. But then what Peter didn't hear, although he was listening, he wasn't hearing what Jesus was saying. I think we will find ourselves like that sometimes in our, in our faith. We can even read the, the Bible and we're, we're reading it, maybe listening to what it's being, being said, but we're not hearing maybe the truth of what it's saying. And so what Peter didn't hear was Jesus say, but I'm going to rise in three days. All this is going to happen, but I'm going to rise in three days. And I don't know if this is a faith issue that Peter had, but ultimately it was something he wasn't hearing that Jesus was saying and trusting in. And I think we can relate to this. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been in a discussion with your spouse and they say, no, 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 you're not hearing me. Have you ever said that to your spouse, right? You're, you're listening to me, but you're not hearing what I'm trying to say. Man, I think that this is what's going on here with Peter. And so, you know, Jesus ultimately rebukes his human view on this very deep spiritual truth that he's going to say. And so Jesus follows up with this statement to all of his disciples and ultimately to us. And it's in Matthew 16, 24. Let me read it. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower. And he's not just speaking just to this, this group of men here. He's speaking to us as well. Then Jesus, uh, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Right? So you're, you're not going to be able to choose ultimately the things that you want to. You're going to have to give your trust up in your own way. You're going to have to trust something more than your human view, is what he's saying. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. And if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Verse 26, and, when, and, and, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul slash, if you could look at a different interpretation, it would say you lose your life. What he's ultimately saying is you could have it all, but you'll ultimately lose, right? It says, is anything worth more than your soul or your life? And he's not talking about this physical life. He's talking about the life that is beyond and greater. And he says, for the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. 
Now, when, when you hear this, sometimes when you read Scripture, you want to you, you see what Jesus is really trying to say here. And I feel like it, what Jesus is making this statement, he's making a declaration. And I would say this is maybe one of his strongest declarations. And he's saying this, and it leaves us, when you hear a declaration like this, asking these two questions about the hanging on and the giving up. And so really what I want to do is take those two things those two questions that we might want to ask this year as we go into 2021. And, and, I, and I say it probably the best way I can say it is, is hanging on, is it worth the loss that Jesus says will follow? Is hanging on to these, uh, having our confidence in something, building on something that ultimately Jesus says is not gain. It will be a loss in the end. Is it worth it? And anytime we're going into any kind of decision, any negotiation, any kind of change, we will ask those questions. Is this worth it? Like, is the effort I'm going to put in worth it? Will I ultimately labor in vain in this? So we ask these questions and we have to ask this about our decisions we make even for this year. Um, is, the, is the hanging on, clutching to these things and putting our trust in things that ultimately will pass, is it worth maybe the loss we might experience? And I think every new believer, before they become a, believer, a Christian, is confronted with that question. I think we were too. Is, is this worth it? Is this going to last? Is this where I can actually put my hope in? Or is, if I hang on to this, is it worth ultimately the loss that Christ says? 1 John 2.15, this is a great passage. This is a warning kind of to all of us as believers and a reminder. Do not love the world or the things in this world. And I, and I think a lot of times people will read passages of the world and saying like, well, don't care about the environment. Don't care about, you know, like the pleasures of life or, or just all the things that we enjoy. And like, this is, this is not what he's talking about. He's talking about do not love or put your trust. Do not put all you have in the things of this world because it will pass. He's saying that you've got to have a bigger view, a higher level view of this life. He says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride in its possessions is not from the Father, but from the world. The world is passing away along with all of its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever, meaning that they remain. Everything else will fade, but whoever abides or stays, remains, right, forever. And I think that's just one of those things of like, just as we set our course into this next year, to maybe just ask this question is like, are these things I'm kind of going after, are they what God wants? Or these, this mindset I have, is this what God would want? Is this trust that I'm trying to put in, is this what worth putting my trust in? Is it worth maybe even the loss? Or do I want to remain and abide? I think that it's not a, a way of like a, uh, of a soft statement here. Jesus, Jesus isn't making a soft statement. He's making a very hard, strong statement. And this is a statement of being. How will we be? How do we determine our being? And out of that, we'll act. And I was, I was thinking about this with kids. It's like, 
when we're trying to teach kids, and, and you can look at this passage as like, okay, remember, short-term sacrifice for a long-term gain. And that's, this isn't what Jesus is talking about. This isn't a white-knuckle it, get through, and eventually I'll have what I want. Jesus is talking about a state of being, a mentality. I think with my kids, it's like, hey, if you're going to want this thing in the future, you're going to have to do a short-term sacrifice. You're going to have to say no right now. So ultimately having your eye on that prize. And so it's a long-term gain. And so it's this for that. But if you read what Jesus is saying here, if we go back to the kid analogy, it would be more of like when we're training up our kids to have a point of view that will influence all of their decisions. It's different. It's, it's a, ultimately a how we will live out of this point of view. It is a determination of what is valuable. And then out of that, we will, from this point of view, Jesus is saying, then you will live out your actions in life. It's a fundamental truth. It's a value. And ultimately, if we think about with our kids, if we teach a very important, if we teach a point of view that we know will change the way they live their life and the decisions that come out of it will come from that point of view. This is the kind of statement he's trying to make. Because I think, I think if we look at it the other way, which is like just suffer through life, give up, just trust God, and eventually you're going to have the prize, I think we'll be missing out on the truth of the statement. The truth of the statement is a point of view which will live out our life. It might not be so white-knuckling all the time. As we see Matthew 7, 24, if you have this passage, Everyone who hears the word of mine and does them will be like a, a person, you know this, this parable, will be like a wise person who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and they beat against the house but, but did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And this is going back to Jesus' statement that we're going to have to choose. Are we going to build our life on a solid foundation that will not fade? Because then the structure becomes stable. Or are we going to build on something that shifts and is, and is loose? Verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish person building a house on sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell. And it, the fall was great. And, and I think that, you know, when we think of foundations and structure, uh, I, I would say this, like, you can have your house built on the rock. But I think also sometimes we do additions in our life where the foundation that we may be building the addition onto is maybe weak. And we may be putting more and more trust into something else. But Christ says like, listen, th there's a foundation that will last and you need to build on that. And we have to remind ourselves to continually be doing that. We were at Dirt last year and the speaker used an analogy I really liked. Um, and we're in the desert, we're in the middle of nowhere, it's dry, it's windy. You could see all these like wash channels that we would ride our bikes in. And he used the analogy of like, if you look at this area here, the culture that Jesus was speaking to about this being washed away was very much what this environment feels like. This, you know, uh, they, they would very much relate to the analogy because if you were to build something out here that was in a wash, or if you would build something out here that wasn't secure, when it rains in the desert, Rob, I think you sent me a photo of the, or a video of this, right? Of when the area we would be dirt biking in was just a flood. And if you're not secure, it will be just washed away. 
And so I like that just being there and visualizing that myself about my own foundations in my life. And Jesus is saying, listen, it'll be just like that. He's speaking to these people saying, you've seen it washed away a lot of times. You've seen this happen. Build on the rock that will hold you firm. Isaiah 2, uh, 28, 16, great, great um, foundational, I would say, uh, truth for what Christ was trying to build on with his disciples. It says this, therefore, thus God says, says the Lord, behold, I am the one who laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, and a sure foundation. Whoever believes or whoever believes will not be in haste. And I, I, I love that, that there's a sure foundation. And if we're going into this next year, one thing we need to have, back to the basics, back to the foundations and fundamentals of our faith is, listen, I got to make sure I'm building 2021 on the sure rock. I've got to make sure my trust is on the sure rock because rains come, winds come, things happen. But how secure are we on that rock? And my question would be in this point would be, is this year, will this year be, what will we be building our life on? What will we be reminding ourselves about what we're standing on? And ultimately when we do that, hanging on won't be something that's worth hanging on to. Hanging on to things that give us security in a way that, that put our trust, put our hope in the, how we view our life and what we're building towards. Ultimately, it won't be about the hanging on type of things. It'll be more of the other question that, that comes up is the giving up for gain. And so where is our security? Where's our trust? We're going to have to answer that question a lot of times, even going into this next year. And maybe this year, was a good test of like, ooh, I, I, think, I think my trust is somewhere else. I don't think I'm founded as strong as I should be. The other thing about this, the second question it poses is when he says, you know, if you hang on, right, you'll lose. But if you give up, you'll gain. And, and I think this is maybe the question that's asked is, is giving up, when we think about giving up for gain, is it, is it a joy in light of understanding the kingdom? Is it a joyous thing? You know, I, I know being a Christian, you know, especially if you've grown up in the church, a lot of the reason why I think a lot of people do not want to be Christians while they're young is because they think that, oh, my life's going to be boring. Like, I've got to give up so much. And it's almost like a struggle. And I can understand when everything is moving one way or culture saying this is what's valuable. This is what's important. This is what life is about. And you're going, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to hang on and trust that, but it's hard to just give it up in a way. And I think that there's a joy though in giving up when we understand I think the view that God is wanting us to have and the view Jesus is trying to have his disciples see, Paul had a great understanding of this view in the Bible. Paul was a great example of someone who had the view that it was a joy to give up things that people hang on to 
that are not heavenly or spiritual. But I, I wrote this down. Giving up becomes, I think, ultimately second nature when our eyes are open to the reality of the kingdom. And so it's, it's in a very little way, it's like, it's not so much like, oh, I can't do that. I'm a, ugh. or I can't be this way, even though I want to act this way. It's more of like a joy in light of what you see in the kingdom. There are three viewpoints I think that would be helpful for us to maybe walk away with today when it comes to giving up. Because giving up is, is meant to be an offering, a, a, a sacrifice that's pleasing to the Lord, and that we are joyfully bringing his way. But there's three viewpoints, I would say revelations, that make uh, our choice to give up a joy. And, if, and maybe it can be encouraging in a way as we're going into even next year with the mindset of like, I, I'm grateful to build on the foundation, God. I'm grateful to build on a, on, a, on a platform that's stable. I'm grateful to put my trust here instead of all of these other things. And the first revelation I think that happens or viewpoint is this, is that Jesus is needing his disciples to know and having the revelation of the kingdom of heaven. Because when you see the kingdom of heaven as the kingdom, the future where you will be and what you are living in, ultimately, hope in the flesh will change. Trusting in the flesh will change. Trusting in the world will change. And hanging on might just seem a little ridiculous when you see and have a revelation of the kingdom of heaven. Hanging on to these things that have no, I think, ultimate spiritual connection to what God's calling us to or the kingdom of heaven might just go, well, that's a waste of time. Why would I put everything there? Listen to Philippians 1.20. Now, Philippians 1.20 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I don't read this passage very often because there's not a lot of context for reading this passage. But man, oh man, I love it when someone like Paul is writing something that seems very, very... Uh, um, I see the humanity in him when he's writing this. You'll see his struggle. You'll see what he's wrestling with. But he's wrestling in this, with this, and the struggle is so strong because he has such a revelation of the kingdom of heaven that it is a reality to him. Now, listen to this. Verse uh, 20, uh, chapter 1. For I fully expect and I hope that I will never be ashamed, meaning his faith and his trust. Like I have such confidence in it. I fully trust that I'm never going to be ashamed of putting my trust in, the, in what God is doing and building on this foundation. But I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. Verse 21, it gets very real. For to me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. <laughs> oh. But if I live, I can do more faithful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. You're seeing him wrestling, but the, it's wrestling with what he knows to be a reality for him, the truth of the kingdom. But he's also wrestling with his plan and use for God on earth. He said, I'm torn between these two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, 
which would be far better for me. But for the sakes, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so that I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. I love this passage. To me, Paul is so wrestling with the revelation of the reality of the kingdom of heaven, the revelation of who Christ is, that he's so torn that he's like, I just want to be there. But he's also grounded in the calling that God has in his life and the purpose for him being here. But it just lets us into the fact that, man, this guy really had a true revelation. This guy truly was founded on Zion, essentially. This guy was founded on a sure foundation. He built his life on that, so much so. He had a real revelation of the kingdom of heaven, which makes giving up so much easier. I always like this guy. Simon, Simon Sinek is a leadership coach, training coach. And he, he made a statement that made me kind of really think about a lot of things in my life. And he says, you know, knowing our why will determine so much. And ultimately, our why is so important. But I could even say it this way. Knowing what we say yes to, right, it, it makes the no's so much easier. When you know what is worth saying yes to, saying no is easy. I'm, I was a bit of a yes man growing up where I, I just, a bit of a pleaser. I would say yes to a lot of things, but I ultimately would say yes to things I didn't want to do or, or, or were actually worse for me. And then when you get a real vision value of what a yes is and what's important and what you are saying yes to does make the no's so much easier to say no to. You'll find this when you have a family, right? Your buddies are asking you to hang out. Well, you cannot because you've said yes to something much more important than no's become so much easier. I was counseling a couple years ago and there, whenever there's this type of conflict, it's hard on my end to be like, how are you not getting this, right? But I'm not trying to be judgmental. It's just I'm trying to get them to understand how important this yes is that they made, that, that they need to be able to say no to all these other things. And in this situation, it was such an interesting one because it was, yes, he was in a relationship, in a marriage, but he could not. It, 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 I mean, it, it, it was almost like at an addictive level, could not say no to when a buddy called and asked him to hang out. And it was just this conflict I'm seeing wrestling back and forth. And I'm like, look at your spouse, how hurt your spouse is by this. By just, she sees how it translates to her, how little you value her because of how you say yes to all these other things. And it feels like no to her. And it was interesting because over this process, he's realizing, wait, I think I'm saying yes to the wrong things. I, I don't know if I'm saying yes to the right things. And then as I'm seeing it change where it's like he sees the value and has a revelation of sort to the yes that's important, the no's became so easy for him to say because he understood the value of something. That is essentially what Paul is saying and Christ is saying. you got to know what's worth saying yes to so you can say no to the other. Then hanging on is not some difficult Christian task, right? To let go of it, right? You can just let that go under that revelation. You know, the other thing uh, I would say a revelation 
that really helps the letting go happen or giving up happen is the revelation of God's plan for humanity. I think we, we spend a lot of time about our own personal life and growth. And, and, and we also have to know that like, what Paul was wrestling with was, yes, I know I have my salvation with you, Christ. I have this revelation of heaven. But what he was wrestling with is God's plan for humanity that God was employing him to be a part of. In, in our Christian culture today, one of the things I think I, would, I, I do always have issue with is the focus on personal self-help type of growth, which is part of your faith. But the missional aspect that Paul was wrestling with, that, oh man, I'd much rather be with Christ, but God, you have a plan for me here, so I'll stay. That is something that is so important that we cannot miss, that revelation of that, because um, when you know the truth, and it's a truth that would set others free, why hold that back? Like we were talking about it on uh, Christmas Eve. But the revelation of God's plan for humanity, meaning that God, when I make this choice, like Jesus is posing this question, I'm going to choose to not have control of my agenda anymore. My agenda is now not fully mine. My actions won't be fully my choice. And I think as we think into this next year, what does it look like to give God that agenda or our actions or our responses to others? Will we be like Paul and say, man, part of my, my, or no, my mission here is to bring the joy of salvation in Christ to others and watch them grow. Philippians 4.8, he says, Finally, brothers, and this is a good reminder about just turning our agenda over and our interactions with people and how we connect with others. And maybe it can be kind of a marching path for us this year in 2021 about not forgetting that part Paul was wrestling with. It's finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, and there's a bunch of ifs here, if there is any excellence, if there is any worth, or anything worthy of praise, think on these things. And why do we think on these things? Because ultimately, those things are what translate into action. And Paul is saying, ultimately, listen, if you're going to change your actions, you've got to change the way you think about things. And your actions will be a witness to others. Your actions will be, like we said the other night, a light to others. And he goes on to say, what you have learned and received and heard uh, or seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Meaning that change the way you think in, about this world. So will we respond in a worldly way or respond in a heavenly way? Our, our revelation, the stronger it is about God's plan for humanity, we may very well be able to say those things like Paul said, of like, I've got to stay on task. I've got to stay on mission. So maybe this year we can refocus about what will our actions be that become a witness to other people? How can we show the light of Christ in, in this next coming year. And for a lot of people, they will need to see that. They will need to experience that from us. And this last part, and then we'll finish, is there's another revelation I think that's important when we're talking about giving up and why it became, can become effortless to give up things that we used to hang on to so tightly is the revelation of God's plan for 
our lives. I put this word in here because it's, it, I think it belongs here. The other one was like, give control to, you know, your agenda, right, to God. But I, I put this word here, and I know it's strong, but I think it's true. But it's this, in this, I think, to understand God's plan for our life in this revelation, we'll, we'll ultimately give up complete control of our ways. And I, I don't, I, I don't, I didn't want it to sound too strong, like, you know, total, like, you know, um, almost like brainwashing. I don't mean it that way, but I mean it like it's complete control of our ways. And we can see it throughout scriptures of the apostles and how they led and what they did. They gave up their agenda, but they gave up complete control of their ways and responses. When Peter drew his sword out and struck the guard's ear, Jesus is saying, you have not given up complete control. Jesus' submission to God's will and to the cross was giving up complete control. Because he even said, if I wanted to, I could like make this all go away. But it was complete control to God's will and what his plan was. And we're going to do that in our life where we're going to have to give God like control of our ways. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where we see this in Scripture. Romans 8, 9, our last passage. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Verse 10, and Christ lives with you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. This is a complete renovation of the heart. When he says, you're not controlled by sin, you're controlled by the Spirit, this is a turning over of our life and our actions and our ways to Christ. And that's a revelation that we'll have or need to really have in our life or seek to have that ultimately will say, man, part of giving up is easy. These things that everybody says I should hold on to are I used to because God's plan for my life. Ultimately, it's complete control of our ways. And I would say this is the type of inside-out work. And Christians always need this reminder. I need this reminder that you do not display from the outside and then work on the inside. It's an inside work out. It's a renovation of the heart that is happening that ultimately will be compelled by the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, and not just our impulses or what we would say is right for us to choose. It's a redirection. So I would say this year, that's kind of my encouragement to help set, remind us about the foundation as we go into this next year. You know, New Year's is kind of weird because New Year's is a lot about forgetting about what happened and, and setting the goal forward. But I think a lot of times, a lot of plans are set out for New Year and they fail quickly because the foundation still the same foundation that they were building on last year. This is something I just want to remind us as a church is to remind to what we're going to build for next year, what we're going to dream for, plan for, really ultimately should be on these foundations, the revelation of these things that will strengthen us to build correctly and to ultimately choose wisely. So let's bow our heads. I would say a good question to ask for 2021 is, am I going to hang on or am I going to give up? And I don't mean giving up in the sense, of course, of quitting. I mean giving up, trusting God, 
hands open offering to him? Will our hope, trust, and faith be in what is temporary and fading? Or will it be in eternal and in what remains? Where will our trust be this year? Maybe this last year was a good indicator we need to sure up that trust and continue to build on a firm foundation. But I would say, ultimately, what foundation will you be building on? And maybe a question to ask this year for yourself is, will I be choosing wisely when I have a choice that I will be making? Will it be wisely? Will I be building on the foundation that will always be secure Will I live by the standard Christ posed to his disciples? Will I have the passion that Paul had, the revelation he completely understood about the kingdom of heaven, about his plan on earth, and about his personal actions and transformation from the inside out? Will I have those revelations that make giving up what the world has to offer so easy? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the foundation that you laid for us through Christ's death and resurrection. Thank you, God, that you've allowed us to see rock to build on in our life. And God, I just thank you that you've given us such, such a thing to say yes to that it can make the no's so much easier. God, I thank you that you've given us such a purpose and such a revelation of who you are in the kingdom of heaven that saying no to the world is easier and easier for us. And God, I thank you for this last year and what you have done in each and every one of our hearts, God, and what you have revealed in each and every one of our hearts, God, and that this year, the areas where we can see, oh, my trust was in the wrong foundation, God, that we can shore up our trust and build on the foundation that you have laid. Because this earth will pass away. Our bodies will die. And we will, God, then be brought into a new place and a new, a, a new kingdom, a new life, a new eternity, God. And so, God, I pray that us as a church have the same revelation Paul had. It's going to be wonderful to be with you, Christ. But also, you've commissioned us to do your work here on earth. We love you. We thank you. And we thank you for 2021 and what you have planned for us as individuals and as a church. And God, be with us and give us the strength to walk that through and say yes, yes, yes to what's important and no to things that hinder and hold us back or hang on. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you for joining us this morning. Um, I will personally say goodbye to every one of you because um, it will be easy to, to do that um, as you go. But um, Chad and I just want to say thank you again. Thank you for an incredible 2020. Um, and, and anybody who's watching online, uh, it, it was been such a journey for us. And I don't feel like we're just going to go, okay, close the book onto something new. But it has been a journey. And our church has been right in step with us the whole way. We've received a ton of support, and I can't, I can't thank you all enough for your love, support, and care, and commitment to what God has started seven years ago, and that we can continue into year eight um, this next year. So, guys, thank you. God bless. Have a good Sunday, and have a great, great new year, okay? Take care.